Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Angela Bishop, and for the past 30 years, I've been lucky enough to interview some of the funniest, loveliest, and zaniest celebrities around. There have been some cracker interviews, but what you see on TV is usually just a fraction of what's actually recorded. Find out what went off before the cameras went on. This is Starstruck with me, Ange Fisher. I've got a bit of a treat for you today. I've made a mixtape of a few of my all-time faves. And first up is the amazing Keith Urban. I first interviewed Keith longer ago than either of us would care to remember, of course, at Tamworth, the country music capital of Australia. And thinking back on those days, it reminds me of just how hard Keith Urban has worked to get to where he is now, which is, you know, top of the country music tree, just fills stadiums around the world, just an extraordinary singer and performer. I've been lucky enough to catch up with him many times over the years. I, of course, covered his amazing wedding to our own Oscar winner, Nicole Kidman. He really is an extraordinarily talented man and a very, very good man too. So I look forward to bringing you a bit of this chat. Looking at all the amazing things you've achieved, all of the awards, and also I knew you'd been inducted into the Grand Ole Opry, but Mm. I never realised you were the first non-North American Mm. to be inducted. I mean, these crazy crazy honours, just amazing. Do you pinch yourself at moments like that and go, it was worth every pub gig, every... Absolutely. I, I said years ago when I bought my, managed my first house in Nashville, I remember driving up to it and thinking, every single brick in this house is a gig. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, that's, that's how I saw it. It was just, um, it's interesting. Someone asked the other day about, you know, if you could shortcut your way to a career, like some of the TV shows offer certain mm-hmm. people, would you do it? I was thinking, you know, no one wants to pay their dues. No one wants to slog it out in the pubs for a decade or 15 years or 20 years. Um, but man, there's a big plus to it when you do. It's that great feeling of not only accomplishment, but all that experience comes into play over and over again. I find that, you know, on tour, something goes awry and you know what to do. You know what to do in a nanosecond. The set list isn't working here or that's not working or something's happening and there's a kerfuffle in the audience. There's like a million things. And I often find myself thinking, here it is. Here's all the gigs in Brizzy and everywhere else paying off right in this moment. Yeah, because you, you're experienced. You have the 10,000 hours, as they say. I mean, in your case, I think it might be a, a lot, lot more. more. Yeah. <laughs> a lot more. <laughs> um, the, your beautiful girls, um, are they still backstage whenever they can, whenever they get a chance, when it doesn't interfere with school too much? Yeah, they like being on a bus, you know. They're not, they're not overly keen about seeing Dad play all the time. Harsh. Uh, you know, keeping it real. 
I'm like, Sunday, do you want to come see me play? She's like, oh, do I have to? Because <laughs> it always falls right at their bedtime too. You know, they go to bed like eight o'clock and I go on stage at nine. So, um, they, but they really, they love the bus and bunks and the whole thing. The downside, I suppose, of the fame that, that you have attracted now with all this, this success is ridiculous magazine headlines that come out week in, week out, week out mm. no matter how untrue they're proved to be constantly by time. And I know you and Nick can put it to one side and sort of not, right? Are you worried about when the girls start getting a bit older that they're going to be able to read this stuff? Yeah, of course. This is a crazy part of society. So it is what it is, right? You just deal with it. And tell them the same thing you do, just ignore it. Yeah, except, well they know, I mean, everybody who knows us knows it's a bunch of crap. It, but yeah, that's just something they're going to have to learn to, to deal with. When we saw you play, you had your beloved banjo, um, which you told a great story about, and uh, a six-string banjo yeah, right, it is, yeah. isn't it? Quite unique. And I loved the story of you buying that instrument and working it into the show. Is that something you hope one of the one of the girls has a, a, an interest in music and has an instrument they have a passion for, like you do? Uh, well, I think like most parents, we just want them to have a passion for anything. I think that's key, and and a willingness. I mean, the thing too about a work ethic and all that is, we, I think if you have the passion, that automatically comes. It certainly was that case for Nick and I. We loved what we what we did, and were willing to put in whatever time it took because we loved doing it. Mm. So hopefully, our kids will find that passion as well. You made a, a beautiful little video with, with Nick of the fight early on in the car. Do, tell me a little of the story about how that came about. <laughs> we just wanted to film a little, um, you know, like the James Corden thing that he does with the... Uh, carpool, car carpool karaoke. karaoke. Carpool karaoke, exactly. We thought we'd do our own version of carpool karaoke. And we'd never done it before, so we sort of like got the little thing to put the phone on the, on the, wind, on the windscreen. And we were going to go out and drive around and film ourselves lip-syncing the song and we sat in the driveway and just gave it a trial run and the bloody Bluetooth thing cut out halfway through and then we stopped and looked at it back you know we only got halfway through and we looked at it back and we're like oh this is this is ridiculous you know let's not bother with this which is why we're stuck in the driveway we're not even driving in the footage because we intended to go out later and do it properly and we bailed on the whole idea and about a week afterwards Nick was showing a friend of hers the footage and her friend said, oh, you guys should post that, like, as is. So we watched it again and we found ourselves just laughing hysterically at how silly it was and we just posted it. I'm going to tell you a little story. A few years ago before you met Nick, we were at a cocktail party and I'd just married my husband, Peter, who you know is a New Zealander as well. And I said to Nick, I said, what you've got to find yourself is a Kiwi. And to this Are you day, serious? I take credit for just sewing that little seat. Yeah, wow. I'm totally serious. And she said, I'll take that on board. Wow. So there you go. Well, thanks, Angela. That's all right. That's all right. I'll do you. what I can. <laughs> <Big>. <laughs>
Niall, welcome back. Thanks for having and me. And we've got this great news for you. You're coming to the country straight to number one. How good's that with slow hands? It's good, yeah. <laughs> definitely makes that wild work, that flight work wild anyway, <laughs> definitely. Um, it's it's just amazing, really. It was a bit of a, a shock and I was happy that I'm here when I got when I did go to number one. Yeah, you've got to be happy. So talk me through um, when you, you signed your contract with Capitol Records, which is such a, you know, an historic label. And then how did you go about working out what direction you wanted to go in? Using a pun on the band, but uh, you know where what Niall's sound was going to be. I actually didn't find it that uh, some some artists will find it hard to to figure out what they want to do. Uh, I I find it actually all right. Um, I just wanted to make an album that I I would naturally just pick up a guitar while I'm sitting on the couch and what I would normally just play as I'm practicing or whatever. And I guess that takes me back to to what I grew up on bands like Fleetwood Mac and the Eagles and stuff like that. That's basically what I've known since I was three or four years old and yeah just I've, I wanted to make that sort of an album so when I came to it it, it didn't sound like it was going to be that difficult and obviously the writing starts and that's the, hard, that's the hardest part. How long did that take you? Well I've been kind of writing on and off mostly on the, the, rather than off uh, since started writing March or April last year oh, okay. so I've been at it for a while and I probably wrote the last song in probably March this year so it was a, probably a year in the making and then uh yeah, it's it's been it's been really fun. I got to choose my producer who I wanted to produce the album. I I wanted to make sure that we recorded everything with a live band. It makes a bit of a difference, obviously. And yeah, it was just it was it was a really really fun process. No more having to check with four other people what they thought about it. Exactly, yeah, because we would write stuff previously. We would write stuff and we we'd all bring it back to each other, and then you'd have to have harsh conversations about what was good and what wasn't. Uh, but uh, yeah, this time it was completely down to me. I guess that brings a touch of added pressure too and having to you know know exactly what you want how you want every song I, and I did when I, as I was writing them I, was, I knew exactly what I wanted the songs to sound like down to the tiniest little details and I'm still kind of finishing off those tiny little mixing production stuff little bits and pieces here and there right now and then I'll be ready to go so the rest of so many other guys in the band are going solo at the same time mm. Were you concerned that you'd in any way sound similar, or did you know everyone would be totally different? Yeah, I, I had a, I, I, before anyone brought any music out, I had a fair idea. You know, um, we all have individual tastes of music. I'd say myself and Harry would have the most similar tastes of music, and we would listen to quite a lot of the same stuff, uh, to be fair. But yeah, I, had, I would have had a fair idea what everyone was going to sound like. And I guess that that's what makes it so much fun at the minute. We're all in the chart, we're completely different music, and everyone's doing well, so it's... It's all good. You mentioned Fleetwood Mac before. Were you a little bit jealous when Harry got up with Steve oh, Nicks at the Troubadour? No doubt about it. Yeah, that was that was hard to watch. <laughs> uh, I, I love I love Stevie Nicks. She's one of my favourite songwriters of all time, and uh, he pulled that one out of the bag. And fair play to him. Congrats. <laughs> Is there a competition between you guys? I mean, in in this solo career, how how do you handle it? Um, there's no not really no not, none at all to be honest. We're we all still keep in touch most days. Um, and if we were releasing similar types of music, yeah. there probably would be a bit of friendly kind of banter between us, but there's actually none, and everyone's just like, enough. everyone's just really happy for each other. You can see, like, we basically have a bit of an email chain going on there, and you can see everyone just like all the time congratulating each other if there's a TV performance that someone did well on, or you know, whatever. There's always something popping up from someone, so we're always congratulating each other and stuff. 
Is there an artist, um, and you've mentioned the ones you listen to and so forth, or, or a band or, or someone whose career you think that's what I want to do, that's what I want to achieve, and have you been lucky enough to meet them? Yeah, I would say Don Henley is probably my my biggest uh, inspiration, and more so now on a personal level. I've got to to know him over the f- a few years, over the last few years. His um his daughter came to a show, a One Direction show one time, Annabelle, and uh, yeah, and I just became friendly through that and then I went the Eagles were playing in London and I went she wanted to introduce me to Don and I was like bricking it and didn't know what was going on <laughs> and then uh introduced to Don and he basically kind of took me under his wing and introduced me to the whole family and it was great and he was but since then you know every song that I've written I've kind of sent to him or got notes on it or and he's just from like, Don and Hale. it's great because he's just so brutally honest and uh he's just been such a big help on on every level I know we spoke about maybe trying to write together, and, and it, which is mind-blowing to me because I went to my first concert when I was four and it was an Eagles concert. <clears throat> That's all I've known since I was a child. My, my dad and my mum are huge, both huge Eagles fans. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just great to have the guy, you know, who I watched on stage for so many years or listened to his stuff, one of the greatest songwriters of all time, is there just on the end of my email if, if I need him. That is brilliant. And he's a great guy as well, so it helps. Yeah, I, I I just think that's magic. And he's done the thing. He said the solo career, the mm. band career, gone from one to the other, yeah. one to the other, one. It's exactly, you know, what yeah. I can see you doing for the rest of your life. And like 40-odd years, 50 years later nearly, you know, he's he's uh, 70 this year. Sorry, Don. <laughs> and he's, <laughs> and he's uh, still touring to arenas and stuff all over the place. So it's, that's the kind of career you want really, isn't it, when you set out to, to start on anything. Yeah. So where are you in the band? Is it a hiatus? So is there are there plans loosely to reform at some stage? Yeah, there there hasn't been a, a conversation of when, but we we all know that it's, it's really stupid not to, to be honest. <laughs> um, we all know that our our solo careers are are not going to be as as big as anything anywhere near what we did with One Direction. So and One Direction changed all of our lives. And we wouldn't be able to do this if it wasn't for that. So be very silly not to. Reality show was, of course, X Factor was yeah. where you guys were all discovered and, and put together. You've, you would have met out on the road now other graduates from other reality shows. Yeah. Do you feel that it's been legitimised, that it's a legitimate way to make it into the music industry now, or do you still feel there's a bit of stigma? It's always going to carry that stigma because of the way it's, you know, it's put on, your, it's, you know, it's on their telly every Saturday night or whatever it is, and that's the way it's, it's going to be and the way the production is and stuff like that. But I think it's proven it over the years so many artists have come off these shows and had success One Direction for instance Kelly Clarkson Jennifer Hudson all these kind of people Carrie Underwood yeah. all Carrie different Underwood. genres yeah. yeah yeah all different types and it's kind of proven itself in ways as much as some people might uh, not want to think so but I think you know I guess that's the pop world in it, in it you know some people like pop and some people don't and that's Part and parcel of it, really. Indeed. It's also proved the pathway to true love in a couple of instances. I'm thinking Cheryl and Liam. Yeah. And now you and Katie by all. <laughs> I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> uh, that, that's how the rumour mill would like it to go. Yeah. But you two are uh, obviously very good mates. Yeah, yeah. Katie had a, a, was a pivotal part of me being here right now. Uh, and she knows it. She loves it. So do I, in fairness. It's, she's such a great woman. Uh, Really fun to be around, and uh, yeah, it's a good laugh. I'm sure we'll we'll see each other over the course of the weekend. I think she gets she get in today or something like that. So I'm sure I'll see her at the Voice or whatever. Yeah, no good fun. Um, 
you did an amazing performance at the Ariana Grande mm-hmm. Love Manchester concert. Doing something like that, what what goes through your mind? You you you're passionate about your new song, but you know it's such a, um, a an important event. How do you keep your own emotions in check when you do a performance like? Yeah, that? Yeah, kind of what you think of your own songs goes out the window that day. It was a, it was a. I keep saying it, but it was like a. It sounds cliche, but it was a roller coaster of emotions that day. It was. I when I arrived, I did my sound check, and you could just it was just it was all a bit like eerie and. Like I could, I could tell it was different than any gig we'd ever done before, and then I went into the dressing room. <clears throat> good friends with Ariana, so I was able to, you know, go and see her, and and uh, she was telling me some stories of how she met some of the kids at the hospital and met the families of some of the victims of the or people who have lost their lives at uh, at the hospital and at the hotel or whatever. I think, and um, she was telling me so, and she was clearly emotional about it, and and it was making me emotional too, obviously, because you only see what you see on the TV or on, on the news or whatever. And that's all you can get from it. So to hear from that side of it was was quite emotional. But then, five minutes later, we were chatting away about what was going to unfold that day, and obviously, no one really knew what was going to turn out like. But like, it was, you know, how happy everyone was, and how people are not scared to go to concerts where we thought people would actually do that, where they would like it would stop them from going to concerts, and then what ten, you know, less than two weeks after a terrible tragedy in that city, fifty thousand people turned up, and really unified and there's not too many things that can do that apart from music really um music and sport and a f- couple of other things that can really pull people together um and it was just amazing the least we could do was i drove three hours so it's nothing for me and you know that's it's just a human you know it's common human courtesy to to come and do that it's not like you have to overthink it so people flying in it's you know keep people keep saying to me oh the artist this the artist that but it's so simple for us to just get on a plane and try and bring some smiles and faces with the music that we do. And I found during this town, when I was just standing there with my acoustic guitar, it was I was really nervous just before I sung it. And I was catching just like some of the lyrics, I, I'd written them for a completely different reason, but yeah. some of the lyrics were quite relatable to the what was going on. Like the, even the first line of the song, waking up to kiss you and nobody's there. There's people there who've lost lives. It means something completely different to me, the lyric itself. but. It opens itself up to that as well. And I was catching people's eyes in the crowd who were, some were crying, and the next person over here is smiling and, la- and laughing. And it was really like a, it was, just, it was a, I don't want to say strange, but it was like, it was different. A different gig than I've ever done before, but it was so beautiful. I remember a couple, another moment was, I, I think Bieber, uh, Justin was singing, Justin Bieber was singing uh, Love Yourself, his song Love Yourself, and he was just playing that on his guitar. And then I just started seeing this, like, I looked down into the crowd, I was up in this balcony that was looking over everyone. And there was, this circle started to form. I was like, what's going on over there? So I started the video on my phone. I, was, I thought, it was, if this unfolds into something cool, and then I did. And the police were, loads of policemen were dancing around. They'd made this big circle, and they were dancing around with all the kids in the, in the audience. I was like, you don't see this anywhere. But it's horrible that something like that has to happen for, for such a great moment like that. But, you know, it's, but it was just a, an all-around great day. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Reality Bite is back, and we are talking all things Bachelor in Paradise. I'm Talia Pritchard from Punky. I'm Matt Whitehead from Channel 10. And we will be wrapping up everything that's happened in Bachelor in Paradise on a weekly basis for you guys. So if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. We can't wait to see you there. And only leave us nice reviews. Yeah, leave us nice reviews. Next up is someone who's been in the biz for 50 years, but at one point thought seriously about throwing it all away. We're so glad he didn't. Billy Ocean has had a string of hits over the years. I bet you're all humming Caribbean Queen right now. This is the first time this interview has been played in its entirety, and I have a fun fact for you too. Did you know that Billy Ocean actually has three lungs? Billy Ocean, what an absolute treat to be talking to you today. Thank you Thank so you. much. Thanks. Thanks for inviting me. All of the gang downstairs knows I'm I'm lucky enough to be talking to you today and all I've heard around the office today is people humming, whistling and singing all different songs from <laughs> Billy Ocean. And, you know, what is it? Is that is that joyous for you too, that, that people all over the world hear your name and yeah, songs pop into their heads? Of course, of course. I mean, the ambition for me um, growing up was to be a successful artist in you know in 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 whatever category really and um, I think the, the one of the nicest things for me is to be hearing the songs on the radio. Another another joy is like when I go out and do concerts, have all the people singing the songs. I mean, what could be better than that? What was the very first song of yours you heard on the radio? Love really hurts without you. Back in seventy six. And was that also the first song you ever wrote? First, first professional song that I wrote. Oh, what's the difference between a professional song and... Well, a professional song is, let's say, when you know what you're doing, basically. Oh, OK. The others, you're just sort of doing what you think is right. But then you, the, the first one that becomes as a full successful is your first professional song, I guess. Well, that is a bit of a doozy. What was the inspiration for that song? Was it a bad breakup? What what had happened? No, just sort of desire to ambition, ambition really. I um, I wrote that song after I bought a piano for twenty three pounds from uh, one of the. I, I was in the rag trade when I started when I left school. In the rag trade. Rag trade, yeah. Fashion. A fashion, yeah. What you can call it, fashion. But my, <laughs> my ambition was always um, music. My father was a musician, and my ambition was always music. And I bought the piano, and. I had the novelty of, 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 it was like a novelty in the sense of, I worked close to where, where I live basically. So I always used to, when lunchtime came, I used to go home and play my piano. When, when the evening came, I'd go home and play the piano. One day, and I'm self-taught, one day I sat by the piano and I sort of, it just happened. I went, dun, 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 dun. you run around town like a fool, and everything just came together and, and, and that was it. Finished off the song. Next thing I know, I've got a number two record, and and I thought oh, yes. I thought it would be the only one, but it won't be called by the. So, who did Love Really Hurt Without? Who did you write it about? Well, I did the the person who really became my wife eventually. I suppose it had it was inspired by her. I guess I'd I'd like to think so. Did you? Well, have she a, she would like to think that is. Did you have a bit of a breakup or something? A little, or? you know, you you do, don't you? Yeah. You, you sort of fall in and out when you're that age. I knew my wife since she was. I was 15 and she was 13, so it's been a long, it's been a long... Childhood uh, sweethearts. Long relationship, long relationship. How long have you been married? I don't know, you know. 
it's to me that's a while. To me, a while. To me, that's unimportant. The fact that we're still together, the fact we still got this thing going, this relationship going, we've got grandchildren, we've got kids. So, to me, that's more important than knowing how long. And what's the secret for you two? What's the magic? What's I like the to magic? Think, I like to think it's love. Well, yes. Yeah, love and respect for each other, and you know, it's it's. You've got something. You keep it going. Course. You keep it going work because hard. I'm not. Yeah, nothing is. It's it's hard work sometimes, and nothing is perfect, right? But you 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 keep it going, and we've got you know the the backdrop is I've got music, to 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 concentrate on and keep the whole thing going. So yeah, I've got other I've got other thoughts. You do have a lot of thoughts. Let's talk about um, some of your other songs, Caribbean Queen. Right. Who's the Caribbean Queen? <laughs> that your wife too? I suppose she has to be. <laughs> but there are plenty of Caribbean Queens, right? There sure yeah, are. Some beautiful Caribbean Queens out there. Um, you, I know you wrote When the Going Gets Tough, the Tough Get Going for um, Jewel of the Nile. Jewel of the Nile, yeah. Um, did you get to interact with, with Michael Douglas Very and much Kathleen and Turner? And Michael Douglas... Danny, uh, Michael Douglas, Daniel Vito and, uh, and Kathleen Turner and they came over from Los Angeles and you know I was really sort of dubious about what the whole response was going to be or the interaction was going to be but it worked out to be incredible it's my best video they, they were just dancing around they natural. loved it they were natural they were just they just did it and that was their first reaction that to was it their that's right how good's that that's right so did you enjoy the, the process of writing for a Hollywood movie like that? Or yeah, it's great. Didn't I mean, mind? No, because, I mean, what it's, it's uh, I mean, from a, from a business point of view, it's, 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 it's the best, it's great royalties, number is one. It? It is it? Good to good. know. Film royalties. Of, of, so if you get a song on a movie, Oh, that's... yeah, it's very, very good, very lucrative, you know, but from a business point of view. But not just that, it's a sort of prestige of doing something. Sure. It's, uh, there's not very many things that I step out of my musical box to do. Like some, you know, I might be asked to do films, I've been asked to do that. I'm not interested in anything really but doing the music. But to be able to be, to be asked to do right for a film, I think that's, that's something exceptional. Something else that people like to use music for is advertising. And, and you have a, a pretty firm view. You, do, you don't want any of your songs linked with selling alcohol. Right, that's right. Why that's is right. that? Well, because I... I I just want to encourage certain things. I just want to encourage certain things because I think there's enough. We've got enough problems in this world. We've, we've got enough problems based on economy, basically. People wanted to make money off the wrong things, basically. Why should I encourage when I can get money or whatever elsewhere? As a songwriter, as a you know, there 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 are other advertisement that my songs can be used in like which it has been used in things like advertising chocolate advertising cars advertising even mcdonald was the latest one which <laughs> what did mcdonald's use which song? you would not believe it suddenly oh really the, suddenly the... <laughs> <laughs> so, not what you envisaged when you wrote it <laughs> you know you you know songs are I don't know how other people write. I, it's, you, you create things. It's like sure. whatever, the, what, whatever the artistic person. It's like a painter who gets an imagination and paints something. As a writer, you, 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 you get a melody, you get an idea lyrically, and you develop it, and it becomes, and please God, lo and behold, you, you end up with a good song. Please God. You end up if with, you know what you're doing. You end up with good song after Thank good you. song after Thank good you. song after Thank good you. song. It's hard work. It's not, it's not easy. So they don't come to you easily? You don't sit down sometimes, and go, oh, whip it sometimes, out? Sometimes, but not, not very often. So how long can a song take to oh write? Oh, my God, it can take anything. It can take 
It can take weeks. It it can take not to. It depends what sort of environment you're in. If I find that if I'm in the studio, I go in with like a, a, a couple of trucks to start with, and once I'm in the studio and my creative juices get going, things just happen, and it happens to a lot of people. I'm not the I'm not the only not the person it happens to. Yeah. You've collaborated a bit with Matt Lang. That's right. That's right. Now he great producer. Yeah, he did great. did a lot of work with the seminal Australian band ACDC, right. of course. Great. One of my favourite bands, by the way. Indeed. ACDC, of course. Have you? Do you know the guys? Have you met no, them? No, I don't. I you don't just know. like them. ACDC. I know a few ACDC men at work, but of course we know the Bee Gees. Don't talk about the Bee Gees and people like Oliver Newton-John. A lot of great music have come out of Australia. Very true. As far as I'm concerned. I think you're. I think you're absolutely Very good music right. of kind of Australia. Um, but working with Mutt, what was that like for you? You guys seem to have a bit of a, a, a good relationship. Yeah. Well, Mutt is Mutt is one of these producers that he hears a record. He hears a complete record in his head before it's finished. There were a few people like that. Yeah, right. He's very, very creative producer. Incredible producer. Hard to work with. Okay. Very demanding. You know, to work with uh, Mutt, you have to be prepared to go through the mill, basically. But the end result worth is it. going to be excellent. It's well worth it. Mm. We did uh, we did how many tracks we did together? Get get out of my dreams, tough, lover boy, um, license to chill, things I can remember. You must have you must have got on enough to be able to do that. Oh yeah, yeah. Get out of my <laughs> get out of my head. <laughs> And into my car. Tell yeah. me about that song. Where did that come from? Well, that that was I must admit that was a mutt idea. Was the, it? Was yeah, it? the title, the yeah. local idea. Because it's not you sort of go, hey. That's right. I know. I know. That, I mean, girls and cars. That's right. Have you know the songs about girls and cars that right. go but go way way back. But yours was a unique take. Thank you. But you know the interesting thing you said about girls and cars. Um, I had a, when when the song came out in England. They wouldn't play it on the radio because they reckon it would encourage kids to get into people's cars. Oh, as I in mean, hitchhiking as or something? In, yeah, that sort of vibe, that oh. sort of thing. You know, but it it didn't stop it from being a hit, basically. I yeah. think it, it sort of um, it sort of created a sort of... Uh, the curiosity of, of hearing the record, oh, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah. yeah, getting banned can sometimes, sometimes not can be work. a bad marketing That's right. idea. That's right, there you go. Mm. There you go. Mm, absolutely. Five decades in the business, but... You did have a sabbatical. Yes, I did. A- and a long sabbatical. That's now, right. very few people step away from a, uh, from showbiz in any form. That's right. For 18 years, 17 70, years? 17 years. 17 yeah. years. Yeah. And then can come back. That's right. A, why did you do it? And B, how did you come back? Mystery, mystery. You know, Angela, I had done quite a few of the, quite a few of the dreams that I had. had come to fruition. I'd come to reality. Like, for example, being successful in America, breaking the American market. After doing all that... Winning a Grammy. And Grammy, etc., etc. After doing all that and touring and touring, I got... I remember one day I was in a hotel and I, I looked out the window and I thought, what am I doing? And you have success, but sometimes success can have a negative side of it as well. People around you start... I don't know, being envious, I don't know, what, I don't know what you want to call it really. And I wasn't enjoying it that much anymore. Really? And I thought to myself, well, I, instead of losing the flavor, let me just, and then my kids started, my kids were growing up, my wife was having to deal with three kids in three different schools, and I thought, you know what, money is one thing, but your kids is your responsibility. Now, by that time, 
I wasn't a poor man anymore, basically. I wasn't a multimillionaire, but I wasn't a poor man. And I just thought, you know, let me just, it's a good time to take some time out. The record company as well, um, Jive, the, the, yeah. the, 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 the person I was working closest with, who was the head of the record company, was moving to America. Now, really and truly, I should have gone and followed, but it didn't work out that way to sort of uproot my whole family and, and yeah. go to America. So I thought, you know what, let me take some time out, spend some time with my kids for a few years. But it ended up being 17 years. Wow. So basically, they grew up. Well, exactly. And once, it, once they've grown up, in very much the same way, I made the decision to have a break. I made the decision when I looked around, I realized that I'm not saying I wasn't needed anymore, but I wasn't needed in, this, in, in, that, in, that, in that respect. And I thought, you know, why don't I come back out and see if I'm still enjoying this thing, see if I'm enjoying the music, see if, see if I'm still enjoying writing, and came back out, tried it, tested it, and here I am. Seemed pretty good. Still doing it, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Uh, what do you love about touring? How long since you've toured in Australia? About seven years. Over seven years now. Are we different? Are Australian audiences unique in any way? I don't know. I don't see the difference in audiences really because the response I get from from the from you know from the audience is basically the same everywhere. Please God, um, they <laughs> sing the songs. They sing the songs. I entertain them. They sing the songs. We all have a good time, and really and truly, that's that's what I'm there for. Your songs are predominantly happy. I think yeah, that's yeah. why people hum them and sing them around the office when, right. when they think of it, because they, they're, they're happy. Why, why do you think that is? Because I'm a happy person. Really? Yeah, I mean, why, why be self-indulgent and, and sort of sing, sing about problematic things? Music is supposed to be something of happiness, make people happy. Yes, you can make social comments. Um, I mean, even like Bob Marley makes social comments, yeah. but they're not unhappy. Sure. It's a happy... Um, happy what's the word projection basically and i try to instill that in my music yeah but it still makes people feel it doesn't have to be you know it can make you think my music mm -hmm. can make people think but certainly not make you depressed and make you think negative thoughts no very true what is a highlight for you of your musical career if you had to pinpoint a single moment i would say the success of, of uh the success of uh caribbean queen and why that one in particular? Because it, why it, that it gave me international recognition. You know, I mean, I've had hits before. I was having hits since in the 70s, 1976 was my first successful record. But um, in England and Europe, even Love Really Hurts got to, uh, I, I believe, number 12 in America. But it, 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 things sort of went a bit downhill after that because... It did top 12 here. Yeah, it yeah. was successful. Yeah. But um, what happened then? Um, the record company I was with, which was GTO, was bought over by CBS. GTO was an independent company that I was able to relate to the people. I went to CBS, and not, not because of, 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 of my own doing. It just happened that way. And CBS was a big corporate. And, it wasn't the, and then they wanted me to stay with the Love Really Hurts sort of um, genre. I was listening to American music coming over and wanted to get, I wanted to get to America. And I wasn't getting it from CBS. I was able to get out of the dealer. In fact, I almost gave up music wow. until I met with Jive, which is where all the, all the Caribbean Queen and all these songs came from. I'd already written Suddenly and another one called Lucky Man. The owner of the record company heard the songs and said, Billy, you're going to America. And I thought, yeah, sure. Lo and behold, I was sent to America while I was there. I wrote Caribbean Queen and 
And the was she always going to be a Caribbean queen? Who's was, that? was she always going to be a Caribbean queen? One stage was she a African queen or a yeah, European that's right, queen? That's right, that's Tell right. me a bit about that. Well, it was written as a, it was written as European queen, and Clive was a person that suggested it does not sound exotic enough. In his best South African actor, he was a South African man, ex-musician, came to, to to England to seek his fortune. He came over with was him and Mutt Lang that came over oh, together. Yeah. Mutt Lang used to be. Uh, yeah, yeah. Some sort of they had some sort of uh, musical relationship in South Africa, and um, and he suggested try African Queen, try um, Australian. Uh, Did we get a look in? Well, that's coming. That's to come. That's to come. But you settled on Caribbean, yeah, so that had that and, right. An African Queen. It, it flowed well. Yeah. It, it flowed well. Yeah, yeah. It, it all scanned. It, is it all fitted perfectly. Scanned. That's the word. Scanned, yeah, that's a musical scanned. term, isn't it? That's right. Something scanned it's in all scanned the music. Perfectly, yeah. You know, one of the one of the reasons why I'm still out, out here is because the people I'm working with are so different to the people I've worked with before. Lovely bunch of people. My daughter's involved in it, number one. She's one of my backing singers. Fantastic. Um, What's her name? Cherie. Cherie, beautiful. Cherie, right? And I'm, enjoying, I'm still enjoying what I'm doing. Um, I'm here to give people a good time and give myself a good time. Well, it has been so wonderful to catch up with Thank you, you today. Thank, Thank you. you so much for a chat Thanks and have an show. amazing time while you're here. Thank you very much. Thank and I will, you. in fact, I've been having an amazing time. Great cuisines you all have here. <gasps> we've got good food, haven't we? Very, very much, honestly. Yeah, we've got everything. Me. Trust me, I'm a vegetarian. I went to this amazing restaurant today. I made a great kale, tomato and lentil soup last night with a little bit of mustard powder and chilli that is fantastic. I'm available for dinner, you know, just give me a shout. Okay, <laughs> come on over. Lovely. That'd be awesome. Thank you. you have to sing for your supper, though. I will sing. Okay. I'll sing, sing your lullaby. Done, that's a deal. <laughs> if you're wondering if I took him up on his offer, well, that would be telling. See you next time. I'm Ange Bishop and this has been Starstruck, a Studio 10 podcast for 10 speakers. Speaks latest podcast, 10 News First Person, will bring you amazing stories from all over the country. Stories that matter from journalists with passion. I'm Rolda Jacobs and I'm proud to present these stories to you. You can find 10 News First Person on the 10 Speaks page on 10 Play or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.